Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello, Chris Evans here, and this is the best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky on Virgin Radio. Coming up, multi-award winning Hollywood star Matt Damon lifts the lid on his brand new thriller Still Water. Australian superstar Nicole Kidman spilling the beans on a highly anticipated brand new miniseries Nine Perfect Strangers and Son of a Beetle, George Harrison's son Danny Harrison commemorates his dad's George Harrison's masterpiece All Things Must Pass with the 50th anniversary special edition all of that and so much more to come now Dapper Dave tell us who's first if you've seen and enjoyed a movie in the last 25 years, there's a very strong chance that our next guest was in it. His superb new film, Stillwater, hits cinemas this Friday and here to tell us more is officially the nicest man in Hollywood, quite possibly the whole wide world. <laughs> it's the one and only Matt Damon! Good morning, Matt Damon! Hey, how are you? That was quite an introduction. OK, well, it could get better. Hang on a second. It's Matt Damon! It's Matt Damon! Live from Cahan, Matt Damon! Matt Actual Damon. How about that? How'd you like those apples? I'll take. I'll, I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> so, Matt, how is Cannes this year? Now it's back, back, back. Yeah, it's actually. I I got emotional when uh, during at the end of the screening. I mean, I just you know I hadn't been to a movie in a year and a half, and uh, and to be in a room with that many people, and I mean. Look, I've been here, I don't know, four or five times in the past, and um, I, it, it, it definitely has a, a, a new meaning this year. Um, I, I, I'm reminded of how much we need to all sit in a dark room and watch movies together and, and how, how good that is for the soul. So there was a screening of the new film Stillwater. There was a five-minute standing O at the end. And, I mean, how do you feel about standing ovations anyhow, uh, first off? And then what was the tipping point? Were you aware you were going to be so overwhelmed as you ended up being? No, not at all. I, that that kind of took me off guard. Um, but uh, but no, standing ovations are, are are wonderful after the fact. You know, when you say, when they t- they say how long it lasted and all that stuff. But while they're happening, there I don't know if I've always been quite embarrassed when everyone in the room's looking at you. You know, uh, so but uh, but I but I was uh, but we were I was very moved. I was very moved at the moment just to be in a room with with a thousand other people. Um, and feel like hopefully this is the first sign that we are done with this. I I don't want to swear, but this COVID thing. Two of our female leads are 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 women, but Kami uh, uh, and also Lilu, the little girl who plays her daughter. Um, and then we've got tons of just uh, other French actors filling out the cast. So there are far more French people in the movie than Americans. <laughs> um, so that I, that that can't hurt either. So this is the most French movie officially you've ever been involved in. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. It's also written by, so Tom McCarthy, who's the great writer and director from our country, partnered with two of the great French screenwriters, uh, Thomas and Noé, these two guys, uh, who are just wonderful. And, and so the, the, the script itself is, has a very French feel to it. 
Cool, uh, super cool. I don't know if French is for super cool, but um, um, uh, uh, Le Fan des Haricots, I think, is Beyond the Beans, which I think will pretty much do it. All uh, right, so you're, you play Bill Baker, Bill Baker, an American oil rig roughneck. Um, he has an estranged daughter. She's banged up in Marseille in a jail. Why is that, and what happens next? She's been put in prison for a crime that she's innocent of, and she's been there for five years already, and, and I'm going to... You know, I go periodically to visit her, um, and so it's this kind of roughneck from Oklahoma, which is a very specific place and a very specific thing to be in that place. Um, it's not somebody who would get, normally get out of that uh, that area of of America, um, and uh, and and he, we kind of follow him to Marseille to find out that he's visiting his daughter who. And he he he's got this damaged relationship with his daughter. He was kind of an absentee father, uh, had some problems with drugs and alcohol, and uh, and and wasn't around for her, and and feels some level of responsibility for her life and where she is. And he's trying to repair the relationship. Um, and 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 what he's what he ends up trying to do is exonerate her. So he's a guy who. He's like the opposite of, you know, Jason Bourne or, or one of the Liam Neeson characters. Like he has no set of skills at all to help. <laughs> um, but, uh, but he has this overriding impulse to do just that. And, um, and so, and that's what the movie follows him trying to help her. Well, the reviews are already excellent. Like you say, you had a five-minute standing ovation uh, that moved to tears for more than one reason. You've done this kind of thing before. It's not guerrilla filming, but it's filming in situ. You know, you're at an event. Uh, you, how does it work? Do you explain to the crowd what's going on beforehand? Do, do they feel they have a part to play? Do they raise their game as spectators? What happens in that situation? I don't think they can raise their game anymore. I mean, that, the, like in, in the velodrome, like they bring it. Like <laughs> it is a great great environment to watch a game and anybody who makes it over to Marseille I highly recommend trying to get yourself a ticket just to get anywhere in that stadium it was a lot of fun um but no what the, basically the way we do it is we is we surround it, it's a scene where I'm with the little girl and we're watching a, a game and so we went to and shot an actual match and we surround our seats with extras so they're actors uh who are with us and then we just shoot and kind of pick up anything we can um you know, that we can use, which is, you know, the live action that, you know, if a goal scored, you know, fan reaction and, and, and we shoot with, you know, a kind of on, on a wide scale. So you can kind of, you know, you can see as much of it as possible because it's all really there and happening. And then uh, we go back. I think we went back two nights when the velodrome was empty and we went back just with our core group of extras and did, you know, more close ups and things like that. Um, and then and did, did some shooting kind of in and around the stadium. But, uh, but that's how the trick is done. Um, <laughs> but it does require, thankfully, us to go to a real game. And, and, and I, was, I was really excited to have that experience. It was a lot of fun. Good for you. Uh, we've got 30 seconds left. Apparently, whilst you've been out in Cannes as well, and you're so glad to be back there, and I completely get that. And good luck to you. And give all love to everybody there. Um, you you, you uh, gave a masterclass in which you said, I was offered a little movie called Avatar. James Cameron offered me 10%. You will never meet an actor who turned, out, turned down more money. Have you done the maths? <laughs> No, 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 please don't. Please don't. I don't want to know. I, I don't. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> so if you did the math, please keep it to yourself. 603 man. million. Stop it. No way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Abianto, with that, a two to No way. Yeah. Are you serious? Yep. A hundred percent. That's pre-tax Jesus. though, Matt. That's pre-tax. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you. Oh, Goodbye. God. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Bye. Uh, Toodlepip. Uh. Ta <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. It's virtually impossible to become a beloved pop star with both commercial and critical acclaim, unless you're our next guest. Her new single, Shine On, is out now, and the greatest hits album, Pop Don't Stop, is out on Friday. If glorious pop music was in human form, that would be wild. In fact, that would be Kim Wilde! Yeah! <laughs> Dabba day, it's sprinkles. Good morning, Kim. Christo, how are you, darling? Very well. Oh, it's so nice so to see nice you. So nice to see you. It really is. I'm going to take my glasses off so I can have off. a good look oh, at y'all. Look there at you are. You. Gorgeous Kim Wilde here, live yeah. in the flesh on the 17th floor. And I haven't been to London oh, since lockdown started, so I know. this is incredible. I know. What I a just... beautiful view across London you have, beautiful London town. Well, tell us all about that. Tell us about your reintroduction, your re-entry into the beginnings of what you've done almost forever now. How does it feel after such a, a long, you know, unexpected layoff? Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I appreciate my career more than I've ever done before. I love what I do. I sometimes used to be a bit grumpy about it and moan a little bit about, you know, the aspects of it. Um, and I now, I even the, the boring journeys and the long waiting around backstage and, and any tedious parts, of course, um, are all quite beautiful to me. And, you know, even just getting out of bed, you know, for some people just getting out of bed is a really hard thing to do. So, I mean, I'm always really grateful I can get out of bed so and, and, and then just start from there, you know, so just, just start from there. Um, so I find it really easy to have joy in the very small things in my life and I feel very lucky that I... I'm able to do that. But it did take me quite a lot of years to really <clears throat> get in the zone. But once you're in the zone, Chris, you never, you can't, you can't get out. Yeah, it's the garden fence you need to look over, isn't it? It's the one you want to look over. You know, because as a gardener, I learned how to do it very well. You know, I am a gardener at heart. Um, I, I'm also a bit of a rocker, but I'm a gardener, and that really helps you to uh, literally um, live every moment yeah. beautifully. Um, so let's go. Let's go back, right? Because we we're here now. You have said yourself, you are you are standing on the podium of a proud sixty-year-old uh, celebrating a greatest hits album, which is fantastic, out this Friday. Mm. Tell us about the tipping point in your mm. in your uh, um, your pioneering days your breakthrough days what was the first tipping point for Kim Wilde the pop star well obviously it was uh, it was walking into rap records and meeting Mickey most uh, the legend that is Mickey most and him noticing me and recognizing the awesome talent of my brother Ricky Wilde um, and so that was that, that was it it was fairy tale stuff i literally walk into recording studio um you know big uh, record producer notices me uh next thing can that girl sing yes she can a bit um and then the next thing you know rick goes home and writes kids in america and it's just like bang so um, I've got locked and loaded here. Shine on. It says Kim Wilde featuring Boy George. Tell us the story. OK, well, it was locked down and George got in contact. And the next thing I know on Zoom and we're having a chat and blessing me, he was doing, you know, he had a project he wanted me to sing on, which I did for his call karaoke. And then I said, OK, I'll scratch your back, mate, but you've got to scratch mine, right? I've got a greatest hits coming out. Would love you to be on it. You're, so, you're such a legend. Please, please be on it. Um, so that was the deal. We struck a deal on Zoom and um, that was it. What do you think of the outcome? Um, 
I'm so proud of it. I think it's a wonderful calling card for a greatest hits, um, a greatest hits, which obviously delves into, you know, the the, the past decades, all four, all four of them. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it brings it right up to date, and it's 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 reaffirming my current state of my love of pop music. There are two new singles on the greatest hits album that comes out on Friday, and the first one is with Boy George, and the second is with a gorgeous Thomas Paul, who I don't know if you know, but is very gorgeous indeed. What was your most, apart from now, um, what was your most enjoyable time doing what you do for a living? What was the most enjoyable period? I would say a couple of times. Back in 88 when I had Close Out. Uh, that was great. You know, I was doing the Michael Jackson tour. I did 33 shows with him oh, across the that. UK. Yeah, yeah. I did seven nights at Wem- the old Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, I had you came, never trust a stranger, four letter words. You know, there were, th- th- it was, it was an, um, you know, the uh, top, the top of the, of the uh, roller coaster. Yeah, it was yeah. just fantastic. Yeah, I was. It was a really po- a wonderful part of my life, I, and the other really wonderful part was just a few years ago when I released "Here Come the Aliens," which was my the last album that I put out. <laughs> I had to mention Aliens again, didn't I? And um, and that was wonderful. I really got into costume, and I wore my sort of Barbarella space kit outfit, and um, really just had a really great time reinventing myself. But for me, the the, the really important part is the singing. I love singing. Yeah. I love writing music. Music. I love creating music. I love music, and that's really where all my focus is on. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's you know, that's that was um, food and drink to you as a kid, wasn't it? You yeah. know, you were brought up around music. Was in the house. It was in your life. It was in your blood. Yeah. I mean, literally in your blood. Literally in, in my blood. You know, my mum and dad had an amazing record collection, and we were listening precociously to albums that you know lots of other people. I mean, we were listening to "Ladies of the Canyon" by Joni Mitchell and uh, "Deja Vu" by Crosby, Stills and Nash when we were eleven years oh, old, yeah. and you know, and really knowing those albums like uh, inside out. So. You know, yeah, I mean, music has really just been so uh, omnipresent, so like a religion. It, it has it has become my religion. You know, and what better religion might there possibly be? Kim, it's just great to see you again. It's yeah. great to see you. You, you look too. amazing. You seem amazing. You Thank seem you. fired up. You've yeah. got such a, such a bright spark in your eyes. You look yeah. super. Thanks, Chris. So lovely to be here. Uh, there's a picture of you and boy George. <laughs> you can't see on the radio, but it's such a great picture. It says Kim and George out in <laughs> London in 1985. Look at you! Both, I was going to say King and Queen of the World, but Queen and Queen of the World there. Oh um, yeah. What were you? Can you remember that night out? Where might she have been going? How long would that night out have lasted? Would it, was it many nights out rolled up into one? What were those? Because that was that. My my version of that was the 90s. But you were you were on it. You were at it in the 80s. What was it like, Kim Wilde? <laughs> Well, I was knocking about quite a lot with Steve Strange. Yeah, he was he was my buddy, and and of course he was mates with George and one and of Rusty those people. Egan and all that. And gang. Rusty Egan and, and and those people. So yeah, we would we'd go out a few times. I'd, I actually I wasn't a great one for going out for clubs. I but, was never. But that were person. they when you did? Was it a, like an amazing limelight and all that kind of stuff? Oh going yeah, on? yeah, lots oh, of vodka cocktails goodness. and lots of great sound, oh. lots of great clubs. And I remember <laughs> Marilyn was always really jealous of me. <laughs> he was so beautiful, but he wanted. He wanted to be Kim Wilde, bless him. And uh, yeah. but yeah, um, just he, he's beautiful still. Um, we've got to go now. Thanks, Chris. Kim's brand new greatest hits album is out, and she's touring in 2022. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. From stage to sitcom to the silver screen, our next guest gets it spot on every single time. He lands in the brilliant play Constellations at the Vaudeville Theatre in London this Friday. And here to tell us all about it is the brightest and funniest star in any constellation. It's the brilliant Chris O'Dowd. Good morning in the flesh. Good morning. What an absolute delight. How are you? I'm just really worried about Vassos's wedding. <laughs> it's not his wedding, it's his brother's wedding. He doesn't seem to know that. There's a lot of confusion around it. Um, we're worried about Runfest. I just got caught in a thunderstorm. It's just the worst. <laughs> it's crazy. You came back to Britain for this? All uh, right, so listen, this play, Constellation, I haven't seen it. Hell's Bells went to see it yesterday. You're not in it yet, but you're about to be in it. Tell everybody about the wonder, because it's a constellation itself, isn't it? Because it's... That's right. Essentially, the, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a romance, a tragedy, but it's set against the prism of the idea of the multiverse system. Right. That every decision that you make and every decision you don't make, there is a vast arrangement of universes, endless, in fact, where those decisions are played out. So right now, because of COVID and all this nonsense, there's been uh, four different casts doing it in case anybody got sick. Everybody's gotten through it so far. The first two casts have just finished. There's a cast that just started a couple of days ago and we start on Friday, myself and Anna Maxwell Martin. Which is a great metaphor for Constellations itself. 100%. But within that subset of the four available casts, um, because of what's going on and who may be pinged and not be pinged, um, there are different performances, repeated performances from different points of view by the actors to do with the same subject. It's almost like you start, let's say I say, hello, Chris, how's it going? And you go, oh, I'm terrible. And then we just kind of start again. And I was like, hello, Chris. Oh, I'm great. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. (laughs) And we'll play that out, but on a romantic setting. So eventually we end up together. (laughs) And there's no way that can't happen. Is that right? There is, I mean, there is... An endless, an endless number of ways where it won't happen right. and then hopefully one where it does. Fantastic. How are you feeling about it all? I'm absolutely bricking it, but like very... <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you'd say that. But very excited. Because I was going to say, I'm bricking it for you. <laughs> and, and you're a really good actor, by the way. You I'm can do this. absolutely bricking it. You can do this. It, it feels like it's just kind of... <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm operating at kind of 70% capacity anyway after the year of everything and suddenly it's like you're thrust in front of people and you're hoping you remember what, how to do anything. Um, now, you've re- relocated back over here to, to do the play, is that we're right? here. Yeah, we're here for a while. We hadn't seen, Obviously, we've been kind of away and couldn't get back during the last nightmare year, so we kind of took the opportunity to get back with both hands. Are you? Would you consider yourself, will you go back to California? Is that where you have your home? Yeah, right, yeah, okay. we will. We'll go back in January, I think. I'm working until the end of the year and then we'll go back. All right. Chris, you've been in some amazing stuff. When was the tipping point in your career, do you think? I think uh, for me, I started, I could give up my day job when I started doing the IT crowd and that was great and loved doing that. And then in terms of the US and getting work there, the bridesmaid thing was great. And then in terms of stuff, I love doing the kind of the moon boy thing and mice and men on stage, I suppose. All of those kind of things were what about What about um, Gulliver's Travels, which I absolutely loved. And it didn't get the best reviews at the time, which is why I didn't watch it at the time. And this has happened with a few films over the, uh, my, my sort of movie-watching experience that I watched and I thought, did they see the same film as I did? I love that film. Do you know, I don't, I don't know. I, can't, I don't know if I've seen it. I feel like... <laughs> I had such Would you fun like us making to get it. I genuinely, that was one of the most fun jobs. So, Emily Blunt was on it and Jason Siegel and God, we had a hoot. Jack, Jack Black as well. Jack Black was on it, that's right. And you were in it, you were in that film a lot. 
Was I? Yeah, loads. That seems like a mistake. <laughs> no, it was great. Constellations, Vaudeville Theatre until Sunday the 12th of September in this incarnation. And you are the final incarnation of this. Um, tickets and info at Nimax, NimaxTheatres.com, NimaxTheatres.com to go and see uh, Chris and his co-star Anna Maxwell uh, taking to the stage from the 6th of August until the show closing on the 12th of September. So you haven't got long to mess it up or get it right. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're doing it because of the nature of the show. We're doing a good few performances though we might be doing two or three a day right it's only and big selling point it's only like 70 minutes long you're in and out you don't need to say that somebody oh, came that's on the, a big selling point to me so, no I know somebody else came on the show and said this about so they said it's, don't worry it's not that long I said don't put that on the poster <laughs> and it's a theatre thing people are scared of the theatre aren't they it's yeah. so weird Hell's Bells did also say uh, it's there are so many different perspectives that you have to come from within it as an actor she said you said nightmare or something like a challenge. I can't remember. Is it? But it's um, it's a particularly uh, insane challenge for an actor to take on because you are you have to be seated your pants by the. You know, it, it, what I love about the play is that it does speak to the peripheries of human nature. So you can be the most compassionate and gorgeous person in one scene, and then it's snap, and you're into you could be a domestic abuser in the next scene. You could be the worst type of person, and we are all these vessels of human experience, yeah, yeah. and each universe. They have had different experiences. Uh, Hell's Bells is here. She's been to see you play. We're talking to Chris O'Dowd briefly. We're going to say goodbye. It's almost the end of the show, but uh, Chris is in this amazing play called Constellations. It's at the Vaudeville Theatre. He's taking it on uh, with his pal in a week's time, end of the week. That's right. We start on Friday, and I know that Helen went to see it last night. Off you go, Hells. Oh, it's so good. I've never left a play before and had one person behind me saying one thing about a play and one interpretation of a play, and then have someone else in front of me say something completely different. All amazing feedback. All yeah. like, that was amazing amazing this is what i'm taking away from this uh, really life affirming um and and like something's just so different to anything i've ever seen before life affirming thought provoking yeah. like 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 the universe itself ever moving ever changing like matt haig's midnight library pick the dots you want to join up yeah because it's like taking a tuning fork and striking it on the end of a table and just finding where exactly you are in your musical presence give us a couple of takeaways before you go chris O'Dowd. A couple of takeaways, like what? In what sense? Great book you've read. Oh, do you know what? I'm reading a gorgeous book at the moment called A Place We Call Home by John Creedon, which talks the etymology and derivation of different Irish place names. And as a person who is still feeling extraordinarily homesick, it has brought me a huge, huge love. And other than that, uh, try and listen to as much George Harrison as you can. There you go. (laughs) That's all you need to know. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Lots of love. You're very welcome. Thank you, House Bells. Thank you, team. It's been a great Monday. We'll see you for Tuesday. Enjoy yourselves, pals. Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 
We've heard from some seriously incredible guests so far, but there's still so much more on the way. Ireland's finest Chris O'Dowd dives into his part in the revival of Constellations at London's Vaudeville Theatre. Pop princess Kim Wilde celebrating her brand new single Shine On featuring Boy George and a compilation album Pop Don't Stop, her latest and greatest hits. And rugby presenter Craig Doyle joins us ahead of the deciding match in the British and Irish Lions Tour with, of course, live coverage exclusive across the TalkSport network. Let's get right back to it. Dapper Dave, who's next? After the breakup of the biggest band on earth, his father saw the musical light and he's found new ways to make it shine. The 50th anniversary edition of George Harrison's masterpiece, All Things Must Pass, is out on Friday. So listen up as the words, Here Comes the Sun, work on every level. It's Danny Harrison! Good morning, Danny. How are you, man? Well, that's quite a fanfare. Thank you very much. Well, you're very welcome. And thank you for this, um, this wonderful celebration of your dad's album, All Things Must Pass. Right, Danny. Oh, you're most welcome. So many questions. Here we go. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, you went into the Harrison vault and you didn't know what you would find. How surprised were even you at what you did find? I think after about five years, we had 110 different takes. Uh, that we'd mixed um, literally 110 uh, choices of different takes. So there was a lot of stuff. We had about two years worth of going through stuff. And uh, yeah, every single, you know, every couple of weeks, we'd find something that was just, uh, we never knew was there or uh, something that just blew our minds. So it took us a long time to to finally work out what what we were actually going to put on this and how we were going to put it in a box set without making it, you know, uh, uh, 110 songs long. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people wouldn't mind that, though. I mean, maybe that's, you know, a uh, work in progress. What were some of the most surprising things that you found? So you say, you know, you couldn't believe it blew your mind. What kind of, <clears throat> what kind of stuff are you talking about? I, I like uh, I like hearing, you know, there's a couple covers in there. There's, uh, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some different bands playing different things, like Derek and the Dominoes playing Get Back. Things like uh, just the talking between tracks, you know, whenever you hear, uh, when you hear them asking for orange juice and cheese sandwiches and stuff, it just sounds like they're in the next room. So it's kind of a more humanizing uh, take on the record. We've got a disc uh, that's at the end. It's called the party disc, which we sort of affectionately named the party disc because you can just hear how much fun they're having. And this is the kind of stuff that we never got on the first, you know, version of the record. This was all just in the can. Your dad was, he, he seemed to be at ease all of his life. Um, and there seemed to be, he seemed to wear his talent and his genius very easy um, and modestly on his sleeve. Am I right in thinking that? Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think he was getting ready to win big. You know, I think it was that whole thing. At a certain point, he uh, had played some of these songs to the rest of the group and then... It, it didn't resonate with them. Why? Why do you think they kept saying no? Was Was it your dad's? Because he, he, you know, he was famously um, uh, not pushy, um, or was it just that they were caught in their own bubble of competition? I think they were doing their own thing, and they had their way of working. And you know, the songs didn't resonate with them, which I'm for which I'm glad because yeah. you know uh, I think that I, I I'm glad that these didn't end up as Beatles songs, to be honest, because it shows a whole different side of him. And, and, you know, he was going through a very big spiritual sort of change at the time. I mean, his, his mother passed away during the middle of this record, during the middle of making it. He was also, you know, splitting up with his partner. He was splitting up with his band. You know, it was a very, he, he was kind of just like cut loose, you know? And so I think that all of those factors came together to make 
something that was like a, a perfect storm. No, you're so right. I mean, you know, that that's a lovely observation. Thank God they didn't become Beatles songs because we wouldn't have this album, um, or that album, you know, this album back in 1970 again, be talking about it now. So in listening to this and in doing what you've done with it and having the fun with it and the adventure, and I'm, sh- I'm sure the challenges and certain creases that need to be ironed out to make it palatable and, um, and good enough to be a celebration, a 50th anniversary celebration of your dad's original genius work. Um, could you at any point sense um, something new about your dad that you hadn't heard before or was it a purely pro job? No, definitely. I mean, you you hear with this, you know, what, with the sonic clarity, sort of increase in clarity in the record, you can hear so much more emotion, I think, you know. And for me, it's like, it's literally like they could have recorded it last month in the next room, you know. And sometimes you're sitting there and you're, you're like, trying to you you almost feel like you can talk to them on the microphone button you know through to the studio in the other room and it's um you know it's really heavy like when you when you hear that uh when you hear that uh version of um uh, isn't it a pity i think it's take 47 or take 27 um it's a slower down version and it's about three quarter tempo and it's it's just uh you know, every time we we play these, and it's, it was very emotional. You know, you getting you get really choked up. But I really hope this brings some sort of um, heart based connection to people when it when they hear it, because I know what a joy it was for me to kind of resonate with these songs. Oh my God, Danny! The way you talk about it, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, what a lucky lad you are to have a dad to celebrate like this. But what a lucky dad he is to have you to celebrate it for him. No, it's very kind of you to say that, Chris. That means a lot. Thank you. That no, is awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I mean, you know, because of your dad's beliefs, um, I can't say I'm not in parallel with them nowadays. As one gets older, and makes a bit more space for grace. You know, he he merely left his body and his bones. That was his belief. Um, yes. So I, I, I might ask you, what would he be like um, if he was still here? But of course, he is still here. So what's he like? I mean, <clears throat> I think being here is, is just I see him in nature, you know, like I, I find. And that was anyone who, who wants to heal or wants to feel connection to source. You know, I find that nature is a really good um healer and you know like as you may have noticed during all the lockdowns that the people's desire to be connecting with nature again and i think that some of the great thing about this last two years is that people have really realized the things that keep them sane the things that connect them to source and nature being the greatest healer you know whether you go walking in the forest and forest bathing or walking on the beach or whether you're putting your feet in the grass and just trying to balance yourself out you know that's how I see uh, all of the people that I love that are no longer here. Well, um, thank you for all this um, from him via you and uh, the amazing team that put it together. Good luck with it all. It's all out in loads <coughs> of different various formats on the 6th of August this Friday. Danny, joy to talk to you, pal. It's a joy to talk to you too. Danny Harrison, uh, talking about the unspected version of George Harrison's Isn't It a Pity? Take 27. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. To say our next guest is a rugby obsessive wouldn't be an exaggeration. It would be simply true. Coverage of the third and final Lions test starts tomorrow on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. So please welcome a man that talks a very good game. It's the ruggedly handsome rugger lover that is Craig Doyle. 
All right, hey. Craig, how are you? I'm good. I love that in the morning. It's just the best, isn't it? The best thing in the world. There's nice things it's being said about you out loud. We can turn these all into, all into a non-fungible uh, fungible token and we'll send them to you. <laughs> and you can keep them for a while and then maybe auction them off for millions of pounds. Um, how are you, Craig? Oh, I love it. I'm very good, yeah. It's a bit drizzly out there. Big day ahead. Got to transfer some very important goods from Dublin to Brighton, i.e. my mother. Bit nervous about that. She hasn't left the country in two years, so that's the big challenge. And then we've got South Africa, of course, in the third test. Yeah, but I so, don't know which is the big challenge. Well, the most important thing is your mum, obviously. So you're going from County Wicklow. Uh, you're going to accompany her, yeah. her on a flight uh, down to Brighton. She's going to a festival. Is that why she's going down to the south coast? Is she going to the Isle of Wight festival? Or she's going to the Isle of Wight festival. I'd say she's um, yeah. She's got. I don't know what she. I just don't ask the questions anymore. <laughs> just leave it to it and then collect her a week letter and just kind of. Throw on a drip and hope everything works out okay. Well, let's hope she has a great She's, time. Uh, I tell you something, it's pretty wild down there. She's two sisters down there, and uh, it kicks off a bit. So um, she hasn't seen them in two years. So it's quite exciting. Uh, but it's quite—you mentioned somebody being nervous about flying. So many people are nervous about flying at the moment because they haven't been on a plane in two years. So there is that as well. Them, so yeah, because it makes it even yeah. worse, doesn't it? It compounds the issue that was so, already yeah. there beforehand. All right, well, good luck with that. Uh, give her our love. Give her our best. Right, back to the rugby. It couldn't be more finely po- poised. But last, um, we say this a lot about rugby union, especially in t- at uh, the elite level or the, the most elite level, international rugby, especially with the British Lions and the British and Irish Lions down in South Africa. Um, it was more of a war than a, a sport spectacle but I, you couldn't take your eyes off it could you last week it was all consuming wasn't it I mean it was violent it was physical it wasn't always that interesting but there was something about it these two warring parties going at it South Africa were unbelievable uh, unbelievably physical and they just shut the lines down it was a bit boring at times I won't lie to you so a game of rugby each half's meant to be 40 minutes and the ball in play time i.e. when they're actually running around throwing passes and doing that is usually about 22 minutes the first half was 60 minutes long, so it was tricky enough. Uh, I mean, I was in the Cabbage Patch pub watching it with Ben Kay, and we were three pints deep by half time. Usually, I'd be only maybe two, Mark. So, that's, so that's a real tester, I think. It's a real tester of where we were with that. That's Second hilarious. half was a bit better, a bit better, a bit better. See, yeah, you say but, um, that, Craig, but because I don't watch rugby that often, and I do, I always try and watch the internationals, right? But because I don't watch it that often, I found it fascinating. I didn't find it dull at all. I mean, you watch, you watch this for a living, so you have a different sort of calibration and categorization of, of matches and whether they're compelling or not. I, I, I do love, because for me, the psychological time, there's clock time, and, and now there's drinking time. I'm loving the... I, I think maybe if I was with you in the pub, I may have felt the same, but I was watching it on the sofa at home with my kids, and we, we honestly, we were gripped by every second of it. Were they shouting and screaming at the telly? That's what's great about rugby kids really buy into it were they having a good shout oh yeah absolutely I mean it, I thought it was a fascinating game um, and what was interesting for me is what you were saying uh, just prior to the second test which was the fact that you know um, if we can keep them honest till about two thirds of the way and they tend to fade South Africa it looked like the other way around in the second test to me it, it really did it was really interesting that and that's, that's, the, that's the effect of physicality okay so you don't always have to run a team around to tire them out but just imagine this go in and just like push your sofa across the living room from 10 seconds and then do five press-ups and run 20 metres because that's essentially what jumping out of a scrum or a rook or a mall is, then having to tackle someone and then chase a kick. Try doing that for 80 minutes. It's absolutely exhausting. So you don't have to recover a lot of grass to get tired. Sometimes 
the pure strength of the opposition will exhaust you because it's that's why rugby's so brilliant, you know. And I'm glad you copped onto that when you watch that game because it's wrestling and it's football and it's an American football and it's all these different sports wrapped up in one. So that's basically what South Africa did. They outmuscled them and they wore them down and they broke them down. But this weekend, and this is my dream this weekend, there's a guy called Finn Russell, the Scot. He's a, a former stonemason. He's brilliant fun. He does his own thing, a real maverick. He's on the bench, and I'm just hoping they let him on with about 20 minutes to go. And he nutmegs players. He does all this crazy stuff. He's a real entertainer, and he plays his own game. So if he comes on 20 minutes to go and just unlocks the South Africans, we might have something to cheer about. Is he like the Jack Grealish of your game? He is just like the Jack Grealish of our game, except he's Scottish and Jack Grealish is actually Irish. You do know this, don't you? Well, he's, he's, just he's, on that, yeah. four Irish players in that Euros team. You know, Harry Kane's dad's <laughs> from Just want to claim them. I would have claimed them more if you'd won it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Four of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you're over it. That's the best that's the best part of this conversation. <laughs> um right, well, lots of love to you, Mum. When are you on the radio next and uh, what time does all the action kick off tomorrow on Talksport? Four o'clock from the cabbage patch in Twickenham. Come on down to the cabbage patch in Twickenham. There were loads of seats because everyone was sitting outside. So come on down and watch the match with us there. Okay, I, I want to be on pint time. I want to be on your pint time, Craig Dorr. Uh, Craig, it's great to talk to you. Seriously, give our love to your mum. Absolutely, me- most important thing in the world. You only get one, so look after her. Um, and we can't wait for the rugby tomorrow. Uh, You've got to say, haven't you? You've got to say, on recent form, South Africa have got to be favourites. The only thing we can hope for is that they beat themselves up so much last week, they might be out of juice. I'm with you on that. I think South Africa by five points. And I'm just hoping they'll be a little bit tired. They've had a few injuries. But they brought in a guy called Cobus Reinhardt at nine, who I think, when it comes to scoring tries, is better than Faster Clark, the blonde okay. lizard at nine. So I think it's going to be a scary one. South Africa by, by five points. And Bye. Craig Doyle by five pints, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go. Ta-da. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. You'll know our next guest if at some point in your life you've looked at a screen. She stars in the brilliant new Amazon Prime series Nine Perfect Strangers, which starts later this month. So here to explain more is a lady that makes a Russian accent sound beautiful and terrifying at exactly the same time. It's Nicole Kidman! Hello, Nicole! (laughs) Come in, Nicole! Come in, Australia! Yes, calling you from Australia. How are you? Oh, Nicole, we are fantastic. Thanks so much for asking. And thanks for making time for us. You're always so good to us. You always fit us in. So thank you so much for that. Always. Oh, Nicole. Whatever you want. (laughs) Do you know what? I almost believe you. Right, Nicole, um, we've been talking about your new show all morning. It's amazing. Um, Before we go any further, um, when can we go to Tranquillum? You can check in in a couple of weeks <laughs> and stay for eight episodes, please. Yeah, it's... And I'll, and I'll take you through the ringer. All right, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> so I'm watching the first episode last night, Nicole, and um, I thought, where's Nicole? Because all the main characters are about to meet the guru and Nicole's character's not even appeared yet. And then, of course, you turn out to be the guru. Of course you're the guru. I'm not a guru. Well, I'm the, yes, I'm the wellness retreat um, operator. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I know. And I um I loved playing this role actually. It was at first I was kind of frightened of it. I I was wondering if I was miscast and then I kind of just just jumped in and relished it. And we shot it um during the pandemic, so it was one of those things where you were so lucky to be able to work and everyone came to Australia and we shot it in a place called Byron Bay here. 
So you get to see one of the most beautiful places of Australia as well. All right, so tell us about the allure of it because it's mysterious from the off and then what's fantastic is you get that great upstairs, downstairs, you know, um, you get that sort of parallel soap opera of the people that work, they're going on as well and their stories and then, um, you mm. know, your character's stories. Just well, actually, draw people the, in. The, the greatest thing about this show is that you sign up for what you think is a particular type of show mm. and it takes you on a, a roller coaster. Love it. Which is always something that's kind of like, by the third one, um, I'm always I always go off um, when I show. We do sort of test screenings where we show friends, and by the third one, and it happened with the Undoing too. People were like, give me more, give me more, yeah. give me more, and they end up binge watching the whole thing. So then I go, okay, that's good, that's a good sign. But this is unusual because it's got nine lead characters, um, and then there's my character. Uh, so, but you have Luke Evans, who's terrific in it, and then Melissa McCarthy and Regina Hall and Samara Weaving and um, a, a whole new um, group of actresses and actors who I think are just fantastic in the show. And the greatest thing is that my husband, who I always use as a barometer, when the, when it finally when he watched all eight, he went, "Okay, I, I don't want to leave these people." Yeah. So that's good. It's great, it's great. But you just have to watch it. And it's, and it's, you know, like for a hit to work, everything has to line up and then you have to have all the luck in the world as well. And um, yeah. and the attention to detail yeah. is fantastic. You know, every show like this has to have loads of things as a prerequisite. One is great cars from the off. And I don't know if you're a student of this, Nicole, uh, but so many of the best things ever to appear on our screens, be they the silver screen of cinema or the smaller, now bigger screens mm. of, of television in your living room or wherever you watch it, start off with a Volvo Estate, a 240DL Volvo Estate. And I thought, oh, I'm in now. Do you know, And that must be a thing we filmed. <laughs> Do you know about this? Some of the greatest films in the world no. start, start off with a Volvo Estate. And the second the Vol I thought, oh, here we go. It's a Volvo Estate start. So you got that going on. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, what? Seriously, I'm not. I am not yanking your chain, Kidman. I promise you, right? And um, and then the next thing is an amazing house. Please tell us the house is real, or, or was it constructed just yes. for the show? Oh, no, it yeah. is. It is. It's totally real, and we never. None of us wanted to leave. We all wanted to check in. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's called Soma, and it's in Byron Bay, but it's absolutely beautiful. But you know, obviously, this this. This journey that we take you on, the nine perfect strangers, um, by the end of it, hopefully they're not strangers. But, yeah, it's worth, um, as, as I say, come and check in. It's called Tranquillum House in the show. Come and check in to Tranquillum House. Oh, my goodness me. And I will heal you. I will heal you. <laughs> I love, I love it, and they've all got to give up their phones the first thing they do, and they just can't do it. It's, and their chocolate and yeah. their wine and their booze and their drugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From a conscious point of view, so you know, obviously you've made movies, made some amazing movies. I understand you're working on a movie now, but this this mega series sort of um, chapter of your career, you know, is this is this. You know, how prevalent, how much of a priority is this over to, to what you've done in the past? Is, is this you for a few years now? Because we love them. We can't get enough of them. I mean, I love doing limited series, yeah. I absolutely love them. And what, what you said at the beginning of our conversation was really interesting. So you thought you'd been miscast. And in, originally you thought you may have been miscast. Tell us about that moment. Tell us about, you know, your sort of anxiety, you know, as an actress who is at the uh, peak of her powers, but always 
always uh, mindful of the fact that you know you don't want to you don't want to say yes to the wrong thing but you don't want to say no because you're scared of it maybe being the right thing but you're not sure you want to find out yeah i think that is just still the place of going you know i'm i'm nervous and i'll always work so hard to try and create a character and and then there's an element of trust in the writer and the director and going you think this is the right thing for me and I remember that happened on the hours with Stephen Daldry where he said to me I was like there's no way I can play Virginia Woolf and he's like yeah that's the only character in this piece you can play and I'm like no no I, I cannot play that and he goes trust me and I think that's one of the biggest things is trusting um, the writer and the director to have a better vision of who you are and what you can play than your own um, than your own limitations. Well, it's great to talk to you again. Um, you're always welcome on this show. You know that. I mean, you know, if you're ever stuck for a shift, we got the travel you could do. You could give us the weather now and again. <laughs> we don't really mind, Nicole. Just, I'd just... be good at the weather. <laughs> I'd be very good at the weather. Listen, I have a... Have I a... played a weather girl once, so I can do weather. Um, <laughs> thanks for your time. We love you. Uh, stay in touch and good luck with this. And we'll shout it out all the way until um, it drops on the 20th of August. Love you too. Thank you so much for having me on. Ta-da! Always welcome Nicole Kidman, live from Australia. Check it out. Nine Perfect Strangers, Amazon Prime via SkyQ. Uh, Nicole, uh, shout it out August 18. I think that's in Australia. It's the 20th of August for us lot here in the UK. On Friday, the 20th of August, it is awesome. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.